good to go, man. We're on the air. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, not much. Enjoying a, a freshly uh, plucked monster energy drink. So awesome, dude! Yeah. Organic, fresh. Very organic. Won't be coating the insides of my organs with various preservatives. I'll take it. <laughs> dude, I've been trying to actually cut out caffeine recently. Uh, I did it last year. I cut almost all of my caffeine out. I started doing a non-stim pre-workout. I cut all the coffee Ooh. out and. Yeah just doubled my water intake and I felt so good much better after doing that man like I was sleeping better and like even throughout the day I had more energy like I never felt fatigue or anything Mm -hmm. like that and it was just such a such a better way to live but lately I've just been crushing coffee so I have to get back into like a like a healthier are you black coffee drinker or like uh like all enjoy. I'm all over the fucking map, bro. I'm I'm black coffee. Um, iced cafe latte. Fucking uh, Starbucks has some like pansy ribbon crunch thing that they have. I'll try one of those. I don't even care. Like I'm I'm all over the place. Dude, same. If it has caffeine, like just put it in my body. Like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I do cold um, coffee. Because, you know, like, I'd rather get all the cap- coffee now. I don't enjoy hot coffee, like, long, like, drinking periods. I just want it like that. So. Well, dude, here's the thing. Like, my, my thing is, if you get a coffee, I remember for a while Starbucks had the on the cups, it said, like, that first sip feeling. And it was supposed to be, like, an homage <laughs> to, like, ah, oh, that, that nice, like, first sip of coffee in the morning like it is a good feeling right but what it should say is this coffee is a thousand degrees you're about to burn your whole yeah you're- <laughs> you know like i can't that's why I, I like i'll do iced coffee pretty regularly because like you mm-hmm. said i want to crush this shit like i want i want this coffee benefit like right now i don't want to have to wait 30 yeah. minutes before i can tolerate my coffee, coffee and then drink it you know yeah exactly like i want to chug this shit man right right mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down a bunch of stuff that we can talk about, man. And yeah, the, the only I have one concern with this. I'm really excited about this conversation because you and I have been trying yeah. to get this uh, on the books for a while now, and we we both have uh, you know busy lives and so on and so forth. But uh, we tend to be, at least from what I've noticed, we tend to be rather like minded, which is interesting yeah. because I'm trying to, and I don't mean this you know, in any personal way, I'm trying to actually stay away from that. These not stay away, but you know, I I'm fascinated by other people and opinions Mm -hmm. and how shit works and how the world works and how, what makes people tick and all that stuff. So I, I want to get involved with people that I'm not so like-minded with and just figure them out. You know? Yeah. Um, You don't want to stay in your own bubble. It's, it's important for me not to get involved, like get, get stuck in echo chambers you know because there's there's such a huge there's a there's a real epidemic here about uh you know people getting stuck in their echo chambers and then just your ego just takes over right Mm -hmm. away and the ego is terrifying dude it's like it convinces you that you just have it all figured out and you will have absolutely no idea that you are under the spell of this fucking weird caveman voice that we all have yeah people go through their entire lives like that, you know, and, and they, maybe they realize on their deathbed, like, Oh shit, I was, I was full of shit that whole time. Um, yeah. Well, 80 or 80 or a hundred years. And I never even learned anything. Well, like that it'll work out for them until the second they're out of that bubble. And then they don't know how to defend themselves. They don't know, like, like they don't know how to interact with people that are going to be in conflict with them. And so, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. that's why keeping yourself out of that comfort zone, is uh like such an important thing uh which is why when i moved to where i'm at now where a lot of people do agree with me it's like i don't want to fall into this trap where yeah like i'm basically jacking off my own ego exactly (laughs) i'm so glad that i'm not the only person that uses that analogy because i say like not to jerk myself off here like i say that all the fucking time and that's really what you're doing like when you're when you walk into a room and you you know people are kind of moseying about and having their own conversations. And then you intentionally like steer the conversation into something that you were just reading about to like legitimately stroke your own ego. Like I know about this. Like, it's just such a gross way to live. You yeah. know? Yeah. And well, I, uh, which it brings up a question I've been meaning to ask somebody like about. So if you realize that you have like a high, big ego or whatever, is that egotistical? 
That's really interesting. It's an interesting question. And I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently as well. And I don't, I don't know what I, a, a rule of thumb that I kind of live by is like, we're all victims of our own ego and we're going to be mm. for our entire lives. You know, there's a chance that if we go off to Tibet and live there for like 18 years and study with some monks and meditate for 16 hours a day, there's a chance that we might escape our ego a little bit. But from aside from that, we're all going to be under this thing for our entire lives. So the only real approach is to try to remain as humble as possible. And for example, I try to, I always try to remind myself that there's a good chance I'm full of shit. Like there's a good chance, no matter how convinced I am of something, it's a really good chance that I could be wrong about all of it, you know? And I, I try mm -hmm. really hard to approach it from there. And when I have these talks with people, I, I always say something like, well, you know, if you're in this room and you heard me say that, you know, we're all victims of our own ego and you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, maybe a little bit, but not that much. Yeah. Especially you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's the that's the ego talk. Like, well, yeah, maybe I'm a, a victim of my ego, but I think I have a pretty good handle of it. That's the ego there talk. Go. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, have you heard Alan Watts speak on the, on that stuff? I have heard Alan Watts speak on a lot of things. I don't know about this particular subject, but I fucking love that dude. He's yeah. probably he's probably my favorite philosopher over the last year or so. I love that guy. Yeah. Well, uh, I think in one of, uh, if I, I might be BSing because like memory is not a perfect thing, but I remember him talking about when people try to self-reflect on the ego to release, especially in like Buddhism or whatever, the ego escapes to like, it's like going into a burning building and trying to get a victim, but they keep escaping to the one room, one level higher. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And it goes down like a hole like that. I mean, yeah, that, that seems to make sense to me. It's It's something that we're never or at least I'm certainly never going to completely defeat. And, you know, there's, there's tools that we can all use. Like, I, I mean, I get in the gym. I try to get into the gym every single day. I've, I've fallen on some rough times with my workouts, which sucks right now. I had a, mm -hmm. I took a little vacation, um, which was a little over a week. And then I came back and went right into a surgery and then I couldn't oh, work out shit. for like two and a half weeks. So that was like nearly a month that I had no workouts. And then, you know, habits are hard to form and hard to break. Mm -hmm. but when you break them, they're real fucking hard mm -hmm. to get started again, dude. Like it's it, it took me a, a, a while. And um, <clears throat> but getting in the gym. Yeah, that's why I went off on that tangent. I, I had to reel myself in there. I did that a lot. Um, yeah. Getting into the gym, for example, is one thing to really, really humble yourself. If you know how to really push past your boundaries, your physical boundaries, that's a mm -hmm. great way to humble yourself. I just try to do things that sort of put myself in my place, for lack of a better I way to explain it. I that. completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, to like humble yourself because you don't feel that type of humble. But dude, if I want to humble myself, like I just fucking wear shorts. Cause oh, like I got, God. yeah, I got some deer bones like for legs. And so, you know, <laughs> like that's easy for me. Leg days. That's my, yeah. But uh, yeah. And it's not just the way it's my genetics. Like my family doesn't have large legs. It's me not working out legs enough, but you know, uh, getting back, especially having been out of the gym for like nine months now, cause I was doing construction before and that was my workout every day. Sure. Yeah, but um, what was your surgery on, if you don't mind me asking? What's that? What was your surgery on, if you don't mind me asking? You know, I don't, I don't like to talk about it too All much. Right, yeah, then we won't talk about it. It was definitely not um, a major surgery. It wasn't, it wasn't anything corrective or life threatening or anything. It was, mm -hmm. it was more of a cosmetic thing. Um, but there were a lot of incisions, so the the concern was you know they didn't want me to rip open any stitches or anything and i do i do some pretty intense workouts so that there's definitely i would definitely rip open stitches and they're painful you know even though mm -hmm. they're just it's just surface level stuff it's still i mean it was fucking painful for <laughs> for a couple mm -hmm. of weeks so and it was you know for the first week it was it was kind of relaxing it was a nice sort of break that i took advantage of but yeah. right after that first week i just started feeling like a piece of shit and then before you know it, you know, a couple of awesome weekends and some 
extra carbs and then like all those gains <laughs> out the fucking Went window. Down the drain. Like, the gains take weeks. The progress takes weeks, but the setbacks take like days. That's what it feels like. Mm. The closer you get to 30, I mean, those, those setbacks really come quick. So you kind of have to keep an eye on yourself. Yeah. Almost kind of like a house of cards tumbling, like just, it just, all, yep. Just within, within days. But uh, in any event, I I understand, and I've noticed that you're you're kind of a history buff, dude. You're like a you're like a little you're like a historian. Well, yeah, I uh, do dabble per se. Yeah. No, no, no. I dabble. I'm I'm what I like to call a dabbler in history. But uh, I, dude, you're you're always you're always sending me stuff that's absolutely fascinating, and I've never I don't think I've met someone who is like as intellectually inclined as far as world history goes and American history uh, as yourself. And I really kind of want to get into something that you brought up um, weeks ago called these, they were like sea people or something. Uh, the Bronze Age collapse and the invasion of the sea people. Dude, it's the fucking fascinating like time of history. The best thing I could compare the whole event to is, well, kind of like what we're seeing in America right now. Well, kind of like we're seeing in some places in the world right now where, you know, there's some economic issues, but uh, back in the heyday, there was cities and kingdoms like Kingdom of Kush, Kingdom of Earth, the uh, Kingdom of Egypt was still uh, kicking, was at pr- pretty much at one of its peaks at that time. But all these kingdoms started falling one at a time. And there's letters coming into Egypt and Egypt's the only reason we're able to really know any history about this, but these kingdoms started falling. And imagine if like the East coast of America just started going silent and it started spreading inwards and there was that type of collapse. Okay. Uh, yeah. And these people came out of like relatively nowhere. Uh, the invaders, the sea people that kind of, they kind of took advantage of a bad situation. And can, just we, crushed. Can, yeah. can we just pause for a second? Cause they're, yeah. You know, we're calling them the sea people. Is that like the general like term for them? Were they were they a known culture before that? No. And they're pretty much a unknown culture to this point. They came out of nowhere. There's evidence that points that they were people from like uh southern the southern part of Europe coming into the Middle East and whatnot, like the like some of the early Italian tribes, but nobody knows who exactly they were. But the Egyptians called them the Sea People, and Egyptians, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs and kind of paintings show people coming in from the sea and invading like that. Well, I wonder because you know I'm not I'm not too familiar with like the timeline here, but I wonder if like could they be akin to like the Vikings? Did the Vikings just go a little bit further south and the Vikings? Uh, well, yeah, the Vikings—they're a whole story of their own. Um, but they're akin to the—they're uh, akin to the Vikings in the fact that they were doing mostly seaborne raids. However, unlike the Vikings, they weren't sort of a unified culture. Like they didn't unify around any gods or anything like that. They weren't a unified culture beforehand. Uh, from what evidence I've been able to find and read, they were basically a series of tribes who said, hey, look, there's good loot over there. They're weak. Their armies are based around uh, chariots, which were the tanks of their day. Uh, all we have to do is go on hills and the chariots lose their effectiveness. And that's been like the um, the theory about why they were so effective that I've come across time after time is that they used hills to their advantage. But I can't imagine uh, pharaohs of Egypt, like kings of um, early Mesopotamia, never looking at a hill before that and saying, hey, why don't we just fight over there? Right, right. So when I hear sea people, the first thing that my brain does is go to Atlantis. And we, we talked about this briefly, again, off camera. And there's like, is there any... Is there any inkling that maybe some of the folk folklore surrounding Atlantis has something to do with these sea people, or is that like totally yeah. mismatched? It's not. Uh, I wouldn't call it mismatched uh, at all, given the time period, the history, and the records we have from it. I mean, again, no, everything was destroyed. 
like from this period if i'm not mixing up my um like kind of historical events here from space you can see uh blackened part of the middle east from where everything was burnt down that might may have been the mongols maybe i'm mixing that up but uh atlantis is one of the theories that atlanteans is one of the theories that uh has been postulated because these people came out of nowhere from the sea um, yeah that's just absolutely obliterated that is really really fascinating to me because there's i mean obviously we know something about there has to be enough proof of their existence for you know for the the historical community to accept that these people existed. existed yeah right? like, so we so we know that they were around at some point and the fact that we don't know anything after that like why was everything burned down what 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 historical event was that is that documented or that- uh, that's just what uh, has been attributed to the sea people because just at at one consistent point in history, everything just suddenly starts getting burnt down across the Middle East, uh, northern part of Africa. Just and wow. yeah, and the kings of uh, Ur and I'm I'm pretty sure it was Ur like sent letters to the pharaoh saying, "Hey, they're burning everything." Like, imagine, again, if you start getting texts from, like, if you were a leader in the Midwest and you start getting texts from leaders on the East Coast saying, help, they're burning everything, but no indication as to, like, who is doing Who that. they are. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's terrifying, man. Yeah. Like, to, like, you would immediately be, fingers would get pointed to aliens, stuff like that. But I was about to bring up yeah. aliens. I wonder if it was aliens, man, because... If it, I mean, if this whole kind of ordeal happened in like the northeast corner of uh, of Africa into the Middle East, I mean, like that's where the pyramids are kind of hanging out, and like the pyramids were definitely built by aliens. If you ask me, nobody asked me. If you ask me, (laughs) but uh, you know, I mean, maybe it was just aliens. We don't know who these people were. And well, considering the pyramids and Egypt were like the only civilization spared, were like we're able to win against these people. Like you're not far off. Maybe the aliens would want to preserve the one thing they left. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe man, the, the pyramids kind of freaked me out too. I, I know I mentioned uh, Graham Hancock to you uh, in yeah. the past recently. And I, I love Hi, that Graham. dude. If, if nothing else, just for his uh, charming English accent, it just makes <laughs> it easy to listen to. But he, he also, he seems like, you know, not, not just a well-spoken guy, but a rather learned human i mean he he seems to have spent a lot of time uh really exploring the places that he writes about uh whether it's egypt or um he 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 talks about the amazons as well yeah he talks about the amazon rainforest he talks about the uh underwater structures in japan uh that he had visited while like diving and then if i recall correctly they got like sealed off to Taurus, but yeah. And he seems to generally like just give a shit like about advancing like a sort of human connectedness, connectedness, not just doing that for like, not just writing stuff for his PhD. Just, yeah. Just to kind of be like edgy. What I like most about Graham is that he has taken a lot of flack from the community. And I tend to try to pay attention to those types of folks, not because I want to put all of my eggs in their basket, but because it's generally, it's generally the guy who's trying to think outside the box that finds mm-hmm. the coolest shit. You know, it's it's the scientist who's mocked for decades, and then long after he dies, they're like, "Wait a minute, this guy was onto something," and then you know, something miraculous comes out of his research or her research. I'm not trying to be like sexist or anything. This is a weird time. We have to be careful with how we talk. <laughs> Well, uh, there's a book called The Moat in God's Eye, uh, which is about a uh, humanity is kind of like starting to explore the stars and they get visited by another alien race uh, for the first time. And the alien, if I recall correctly, the alien is kind of amazed to actually be alive. And what it turns out is uh, this alien race from another galaxy has like once a generation has somebody called the crazy and the crazies uh, always tried to get out of their solar system but were always destroyed and everybody would say that's fucking crazy for you to try again yeah and graham i that's one of the reasons i like graham is graham reminds me of one of the crazies 
the ones who's willing to go outside the box and like just explore something new and breaking that breaking through the dogma like that is how you get like new developments in fields exactly exactly and and it's it's been shown like throughout history i think uh bruno who was what was his first name or he was like he was the guy who's i think he suggested that the earth was round like a thousand years before that was proven he was like the original galileo mm-hmm. he was the one who oh please look it up that'd, that'd be yeah, awesome dude i need a fucking research team over here because i always yeah. come up with this crazy giordano bruno giordano bruno yep yeah burnt at the stake in on february 16th 1600s two days after my sister's birthday so i can't make fun of her for being born on that day then but there you uh, go yeah but i mean that dude was looking up at the stars and coming up with all kinds of crazy ideas long before anyone else was and he was so hated for it uh that he was burned at the stake and you know here we are whatever a thousand plus years later and uh and he was right about a lot of stuff. So it's like you gotta you can't take everything you gotta take everything with a grain of salt until you can prove it. But you can't just completely write off these people that are, you know, labeled as crazy folks by kind of the ignorant, loud masses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I, I just I try to pay attention to people who are saying seemingly crazy shit because they might be right. And what we talked about earlier, I might be wrong about everything. So, you know, what is there to lose by simply you know, thinking a little bit differently. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything to entertain an idea. Exactly. But, That's a yeah. beautiful quote. Yeah, and uh, by entertaining that idea, you never know what you're going to get from it. And besides, like, even if you think it's fake and you, like, are 99% sure, you can still write a pretty good book based off the, the idea, the fiction one, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, man. I like Graham. I like his approach. I like his accent. He seems like a smart guy. I like the fact that he stood by his shit, as you were saying. Like he stood by yeah, his and shit. That's a ballsy move time. too, man. It's it's hard to do that. I mean, and, and I don't think I don't think it's we give enough credit to people who really do stick to their guns, even if they're ultimately proven wrong. There's something to be said about being strong in your convictions and and not like even if the whole world is against you, which it seemingly is, especially in in a position like like Graham's, I, I hate to keep, you know, stroking this yeah, guy's uncle, okay. but, uh, you know, when the whole community is that powerful and that loudly against you and you still manage to stay strong in your convictions and say, here, look, this is my approach. I'm not trying to ruin your whole world. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, here's what I found. Here's why I think we should, we should look into this. You know, this is what I believe. It's, it, it's not an easy task. That's no small feat. And I, you know, my hat's off to anyone who, Who's in that kind of position that's somebody you want on your team because that person like at the end of the day will stick by you absolutely yeah. absolutely is... and i hope he i hope he is proven right about his uh theory of a civilization that came before we recognize the start of civilization we recognize and it, it would change everything i mean we should we should probably let people know a little bit, although I'm not, I don't know if I'm in a position to really unpack this because there's so much to unpack, but basically a lot of his research is starting to point towards the possibility of our entire human history being slightly askew, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but I mean, we're talking about a massive timeline that is absolutely, it would change everything about what we know about the human, the human race and human development. My best case scenario, kind of quasi theory, like I mostly say it jokingly, is that this is a giant conspiracy by McGraw Hill publishing the, you know, the school textbooks. Think about how much money they would have to spend to redo every freaking textbook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, that's you're you're kind of on the mark, man. That's definitely true. Right. Hashtag want, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I want to attribute like the best possible scenario. I know it's, I'm not right, but you know, I can sure. Help. But uh, have you seen the one ma- – uh, there's a really famous – the Puri's map. Uh, it's the map – It's a Turkish. it was a Turkish map from the, uh, found through the Ottoman Empire. And if I recall correctly, it uh, displays Antarctica like way before it was supposedly discovered and as a land with uh, like no ice on it. So it was almost like a uh, – like an Iceland – 
in a way because I was so confused. Most misnamed place ever. Seriously, bro. (laughs) My entire life, there's a place called Iceland. You imagine it's going to be icy there, and it's it's not at all. I want to go there, man. That's like on my top five like list of places I need to go. It's gorgeous out there. I just had a a friend visit there. It's like absolutely gorgeous. The only thing that sucks is A, they have to download an app to make sure they're not dating their cousin. And B, B, the prices are kind of like up there. But, you know, whatever, dude. It's freaking beautiful. Like they swapped Greenland and Iceland's name maybe for like uh, like a franchise change in the MLB. Yeah, Yeah, or even just a trial period to see how people like it. I mean, it would just make so much more sense. Hello everyone, I thought now would be a great time to remind you to support my sponsor, Hex Beauty Lab. Here are the facts. Skincare is really fucking cool and super important. And this particular company is owned by a wonderful human being and you should go and support them so that they can continue to support me and I can continue to bring you this podcast because if I don't, y'all would be devastated and your skin would be all crunchy and nobody wants crunchy skin and nobody wants to be sad. So log into Instagram and go to at Hex Beauty Lab. You can find them there. You can find them at their website at HexBeautyLab.com. And if you use the code Here's Why at checkout, you can get a great deal on all of their skincare products. So satisfy your skincare needs right now. Go look them up. Thanks. Speaking of Antarctica, though, I recently read, or maybe I heard this on a podcast. I'm not sure where I got this random information, but I read that there's um, volcano, there's active underwater volcanoes. Yeah, under under Antarctica. Yeah, so there's volcanic activity that's been under Antarctica, like um, volcano vents, and they each volcano vent supports its own little ecosystem. Actually, uh, a lot of them support their own ecosystems. Actually, where unique bacterias, microbes are able to grow. But if I recall correctly, in the past few weeks, there's been a heating element, which could be pointing towards an active volcano actually coming up. Okay, so yeah. that's that's interesting to me because, you know, active volcano, my, my brain obviously goes towards like hot. Those things are fucking mm-hmm. hot. And the rhetoric and the narr- the general narrative is we humans suck so hard that we ruin the planet so much that the like Antarctica is melting or something. And like, we all felt really bad about that. And that's all scary. And the sea levels are rising and like yada, yada, yada. And I felt bad about being a human because I drive a car all the time. And, you know, but now there's, now there's like, there's fucking volcanoes there, bro. Of course, the thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, well, why do we not hear about this a little bit sooner? Think, think about the type of, X like despair people would be in if they were told the climate is changing every your surrounding landscape is going to be completely different within 30 years and there's nothing you can do to possibly change it i think between the options of either a saying listen uh don't drive your car like once a week and you can change this would is a lot better for the mental psyche over for most people then there's nothing you can do to stop this whatsoever yeah but isn't that kind of gross like isn't that a really easy way to manipulate people into kind of doing what you want and like benefiting from their uh emotional distress yeah but uh but a lot of people like if you're in charge of, of millions of people which most people can't even comprehend how many like how many people is a million you get what i'm saying yeah yeah like in the choice of either trying to calm down that sort of panic populace and uh making the populace like think they can do something i can see i can understand the decision i think it's disgusting it's mm-hmm. manipulative but i understand it i i agree with you i definitely agree with you i think this is why it's really important for people to get involved with things like jujitsu and uh, you know, learn how to learn how to be involved in a firefight, like with, mm-hmm. with active guns, because and the reason I say that this, this sounds probably f- to a lot of people kind of crazy. Yeah. And post the reason you're going to see is, my head tilt like that until I <laughs> connect. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I say things like this is because 
there there are definitely different modes of thinking and there's one mode of thinking if you coddle your mind throughout your entire life and you kind of bubble wrap yourself and you just become this sort of soft human those will be your only two options i either need to fall into despair or i need to do what this person is telling me to do to escape this horrible feeling but if you strengthen your mind and you strengthen your body and you learn how to be firm in your convictions and firm in yourself and know yourself you get a different option you get a third mm-hmm. option and that option is what do i do now it's it's not it's not i need to listen to this person and follow their instructions it's okay my situation has changed you know it was one thing last week now there's different mm-hmm. variables involved i need to respond to these new variables in what way am i going to do that you know like you can mm-hmm. make a decision for yourself and and the reason I bring up firefights is because that's exactly what happens in firefights. You can, you know, you can plan and you can read every book about war that you can possibly get your hands on and you can have a completely bulletproof plan. You go to execute that plan and six things change right off the bat. Then you, yeah. need to, you need to fall back on your training then and I respond. Think it, I think it was Colin Powell who said every uh, plan is great until first contact. It's another great quote, man. And that's, and it's very true. You know, that's, that's how, that's when you really find out like what you're kind of made of. And for me at, at this point in my life, I cannot imagine just, I can't imagine living any other way. And then I'm not to say, that's not to say that I'm somehow like, well, neither can they, what's that? Neither can a lot of other people. They can't imagine living any other way. Yeah. But the, they're in a different uh, scenario than you, but continue with what you were saying. Well, I mean, that was pretty much, that was the end of my yeah. rant. I kind of went off on a, another little tangent there. I'm really, really good at tangents. In case you it's all right. No, it's completely fine. No, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's about uh, accepting the fact that things don't go according to how you think they're going to go and then being able to adapt to that new situation that has arisen. Like there's exactly. theory, yeah, yeah, theory, and then practice. Like, and as you were saying, you can read all the books that you want in the world on warfare. It doesn't make you Sun Tzu. Well, and, Marcus Luttrell said that, and it wasn't quite as uh, eloquent, eloquent because he was, uh, you know, he was a Navy SEAL, and they're <laughs> they're not exactly known for uh, you know eloquence. But he said something to the effect of, you know, you can read all those books and you can read them cover to cover. Uh, and try to go and fight a war like that. But the problem is that war is not black and white. It's gray. And if you don't learn how to fight in the gray, you're going to fucking lose, you know, and that's how life is. That's what, what all of our reality is. It's gray. And we all have to kind of relearn. I think right now, in my opinion, we all need to relearn how to live in that gray world that we live in and adapt and respond to things as they come, instead of just like turning to some authority figure and being like, what do I do daddy? You know? Yeah. Well, Agreed, but keeping people out of nihilism would be the next big step that you we would have to kind of deal with. Like, if we were to, on a large scale, get people to break out of that, looking to authority figures for, like, safety, I guess. A feeling of safety, a feeling that somebody knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. Right. Can you hear that fucking crow that's cawing behind me? I can. Yeah, I can, I can hear it. Dude, crows are that's, awesome, though. That's They are awesome, but that's really fucking annoying. Hey, invite him on the podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> Do you get to any ranges recently? Uh, hell yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but basically, it's a gun range and a burger joint. And okay. like that sounds like the most like stupid combination. Or like something you would hear out of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yeah. But it honestly, yeah, it honestly works out. Delicious ass burgers, like the range, uh, lets you rent out like top, uh, everything from like World War II Thompsons to bring your own guns. And I brought my parents there, and they had an absolutely wonderful time. Yeah, That's awesome, dude. I noticed you were shooting some cool stuff. Uh, I don't know. I think you put it up on like Instagram or something a while ago. You were shooting some really cool shit. I, I recently bought a uh, my first lever action, which I'm way too excited uh, about. What type, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Or it's a it's a forty five seventy. I got a Kiapa Taylor like break. Do you watch Garantham? What's that? Do you watch Garantham? No, I don't. Uh, okay, he just reviewed. He just like reviewed a um, like fun it out 
uh, lever action rifle. And I just wonder if it does or isn't. But yeah, it looks like Dude, an awesome. a there's another um, company, and I don't know if I should be like branding people, so I might I might have to cut this out too. But it's called Mad Pig Customs. They're like retrofit, well, not retrofitting, I guess. They're like modernizing uh, lever action guns. They're putting rail systems on them and scopes and like all all kinds of cool stuff. And they make some really really cool uh, lever mods. But I got I got a classic looking one. It, it looks dope. It's like all wood stock. You know, it's it's forty five seventy, so it's disgustingly expensive to shoot. Yeah, I was going to ask how much, how much is, is that around there? It's like four uh, bucks a round or something. But, you know, in case a buffalo breaks into my apartment, like, mm-hmm. I'll be good to go. <laughs> well, I don't watch out for the buffalo, man. Well, well, we're trying the, to. We're, them and the crows are teaming up. I know, dude. They're fucking, yeah, crows are, the, crows are the brains of the operation out here. But yeah. I got to, well, there's there's pigs out here where I'm at. They're a little bit further north than me, and there's a fuck ton of pigs down in Texas and Georgia, and we're trying to organize like an annual uh, pig hunt because those mm-hmm. pigs are fucking up our farmers, bro. It's something yeah. like it's like a million to two point five million dollars worth of farmland a day. Is is going to these pigs? Did I get that wrong? I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be spouting off all. No, these no. Stuff. It's I've I've heard figures around that much. Like pigs are a fucking atrocious problem. Like especially and they never stuff. stop fucking, dude. No. There's so many yeah. pigs. They breed all year round, and you can get like X amount of pigs out of every litter, and they just keep yeah. on fucking. There's way too many. I think it's like three months it takes from a pig being born to it being able to have another litter, and they're yeah. smart. Yeah, and they're smart as shit. I don't know if you know the Warhammer 40,000 universe, but all right. um, So basically uh, it's, it's been around for like 30 or 40 years, but there's uh, orcs in that universe in space that are basically like, basically the pigs here are our equivalent of those orcs. Like they breed like shit, like crazy. They're everywhere. Like they're a constant problem. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, I mean, uh, they're so bad that they have uh, they have helo trips. You can like hop into a helicopter and just pick them off in a video game. Well, yeah, and, but we're dealing with like uh, we're dealing with food problems and stuff like that in America. And I was actually talking with uh, Roger Goodell's niece a few years back about like hunting these pigs and donating the pig meat to like uh, homeless shelters. And according to the FDA, that's illegal. For some reason, you know that's fucking weird. First of all, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that fact, but I did hear that it's not like if you get them when they're a little smaller, they're not too bad. But mm-hmm. the older ones, um, the, the meat's meat. like pretty gross. Like they don't. It's not really. It's not a good source of meat or, or nutrition. Had, or I had that. feral pig when I was in Hawaii, and it tasted fucking fantastic. Well, that maybe that's different. I mean, the the Hawaiian pigs are much more relaxed. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they're, on, they're on vacation but yeah there's a there's a ton of them man they're they're a real real problem and um i mean i got the firepower so i i, I want to check one of those out for sure dude you, sh- you should you should organize that pig hunt because i know it's not illegal to kill them yeah but... well it's not only is it not illegal it's like you don't even need tags for them they're just like yeah kill as many as you can <laughs> we don't care <laughs> yeah we know you're never gonna run out yeah it's not gonna be an endangered animal anytime it's soon. never gonna be endangered yeah yeah I do have a question from uh, Sun Tzu, though. What do you think of Sun Tzu? Sun Tzu? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> you never read? All right, dude. I read his Art of War, and it was basically like a big oh, book. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought. Okay, I know, I know what we're talking about now. My bad. All right, gotcha. Yeah, no, completely off topic, but uh, dude, I read through the Art of War, and it just seemed like a bunch of like no shit information. And all of it gave like a lawyer's way out of him actually ever being wrong. About yeah, something. well, that's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of reasoning from conclusion, which oddly enough is a big problem in today's social arena, uh, like socioeconomic arena, when it comes to you know those like comment wars on oh yeah yeah or whatever. It's like these people are kind of they're coming to a conclusion in their brains. And then they're finding the data that proves them right. You know, oh, it's like is, shooting an arrow at a target, then drawing the rest of the target around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting read. I've dabbled in that in that book in particular. I've never read it cover to cover, and I should don't. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like, and I probably shouldn't bring this up, and I'll mark this right now just in case. I'll. 
I'll do some soul searching on this, but it's almost like the, <laughs> um, it's kind of scary. But then when you pick it up, well, when you kind of take an educated look around at just the world and, and mm-hmm. certain certain things that are kind of taking place uh, around the globe, and then you read this book, that it's the same feeling. It's kind of like a, a lot of no shit. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of obvious at this point, but it sounds it's good. But like when you think about it, sounds good. But when you actually like think about it, it's like. Yeah, no shit. I would, I mean, I would still recommend it just because it, it's year dark memory. and it's kind of scary, but it's it's an interesting read nonetheless. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called The Hundred Year Marathon. Fact, yeah, I know Henry Kissinger remarked upon it, but I swear to God, I had this thought before I read Henry Kissinger's On China. But I know he pointed out that the great, the great game of the West is uh, chess, whereas the great game of uh like China is uh, what's that game where it's like black and white tie go, which is uh, which is go, which involves flipping, like maneuvering to the point where you can flip all the opponent's pieces. Oh yeah, it's like uh, well Chinese checkers, I guess is the yeah. Americanized. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, one game relies on decisive moments, decisive conflicts to frame what a win is, but the other one is a lot more. Uh, takes a lot more time, a lot more like thought and effort. Like in, yeah. in the long run, it's a game that rewards careful planning. And I think there's something to that, but also it could just be fear mongering bullshit. So fear mongering was the word I was looking for. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah. It, it does kind of raise some fear mongering like red flags for me, but it's it's certainly interesting. And then yeah, I mean you know a lot of this stuff is. It kind of cent- is centered around like a lot of the social distortion, but again, that's mm-hmm. something that you and I seem to we see really eye to eye on for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, something that I could that I could ask you is that, and I I don't want to I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I'm going to have a hard time saying this in a way that doesn't make me seem like judgmental, but yeah, go for it. You seem to almost live in kind of a happy medium, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a, a very very inclusive, very compassionate approach to people, especially if they are completely opposite your belief system. And I don't even know what your yeah. belief system is. No, that's completely it. how, and it's, and if I have one weakness, it's like one way to like, if somebody wanted to fuck me over, that'd be the direct way to get it because I'm pretty much like to a fault like that. Well, that's dude, that's fucking awesome. I mean, it's to your point, it is a, a big vulnerability, but I think it's also very, very important that mo- most people, like a lot of people kind of adopt that myself included. Cause I am very, very bad at that. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess my question is, um, have you always been like that or is that no. something that you've kind of grown into? Uh, that was something that, um, that was a mindset I kind of ad- adopted at the age of, uh, 16, uh, that's where it started. Uh, I won't detail how I got there, that specific situation, but it was basically an overnight flip. Because, um, but yeah, it was. It's basically uh, a lot of it is projection, and a lot of the times I'm right that once I peel away most people's layers, they're scared. They're looking for a sense of safety that they haven't felt growing up or to this point and wherever they project that sort of um, frustration at, that's usually why they're spouting the opinions that they're spouting. But yeah, it was kind of uh, something that had, it was an issue that had plagued me until 16 and had caused a lot of negative strain in my life. And like, and until I shed that mindset of projecting like ne- negative stuff onto issues, I wasn't able to change my life for the better. Okay. So yeah. So so now you have, it's kind of giving you much more space for people who tend to, d- to disagree with you, because you can kind of, not necessarily revisit that, but you have a better understanding of where they might be coming from, even if you yeah. don't know the specifics of their circumstance or their beliefs or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, and it's interesting that you mentioned that it was kind of an overnight thing. Cause for me, you know, my, 
I'm, I'm generally a people person, contrary to what mm-hmm. most people might think about me. I, I fucking love humanity, dude. I mean, we're a fascinating creature and I like people. And, you know, I, I want my goal. I'm always about helping people. I'm always about helping people to get better in their own lives or see the light or however you want to look at it, you know. But for me, you know, I grew up kind of a, a really hard lined way of thinking. I was I was mm-hmm. kind of just there was one direction that my mind was always going in. I'm not going to say which direction that is, but mm-hmm. it was it was everywhere that I turned. It was like this belief system was everywhere. It was in my school, it was on TV, it was in my home, my town, the city that I lived outside of, my state. It was like everything was just you need to think in this direction. And it wasn't until much later in my life that I I kind of broke out of that and I can't tell you exactly when it happened because it was a slow burn. You know, contrary to the way it kind of hit you, for me it was like a drawn out process. It was like my paradigm kind of shattered and I was like, "Whoa, I was wrong about so much shit for so long." And that was terrifying. It was a terrifying experience because I would I had built my entire, you know, persona out of that belief system. So it was a really scary kind of But then I I shut down. I was like, okay, you know what? The way I'm going to deal with this is I'm just not going to worry about incoming information. I'll take it in, but I'm not going to concern myself with it, you know? And it wasn't until I did that that it almost opened up like different doors in my brain. It was like only these doors on this side were open. And now these doors were able to kind of open up and I could take in all of this information. And now I I seem to, I'm kind of living in maybe a happy medium, but I'm also, I'm very, very much opinionated. And uh, maybe that's something I got to work on the approach, not necessarily the opinion, but the approach is where I'm a little bit shaky. It sounds like you have, it it sounds like you have a lot. Oh, your mindset is fantastic. Um, and I think if you continue along the lines that you are, you'll find yourself having, looking back and being glad about what you did. Cause you like, don't look at that part of your life as a bad part or a closed off part. It educated you and helped you helped inform where you're at now. So yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I do. And I'm, well, I'm really happy that you got through the whole letting go, like, being okay and accepting that your paradigm was wrong, being able to admit you're wrong and then taking an action and accountability, like action towards that is a sign of great maturity. So, and it's, 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 again, I really, I really appreciate all that, man. And it's, it's tricky for a lot of people to do. And that goes back to way back to the beginning of this conversation because that ego is going to trick you. It's going to trick all of us, you know? And well, one of the one of the things that I kind of hate about the internet and the internet culture is it doesn't let people be wrong. Because if you change your program, oh, you're a traitor to the cause. No, no, you may have grown into a different mindset, a different uh, frame of being. But there's just so much gray gray area behind a lot of uh, people's changes that throws things like there. There's not enough face to face communication. People aren't able to trust people based on just what they say. Absolutely. And, you know, you get into things like, you know, Kevin Hart got in trouble for a a tweet that he put out like 10 years ago or something. And 10 years is a long ass time. It's a long time, dude. I mean, 10 months is a long time, for God's sake. And then, you know, to your point, there is so much gray area and there's no there's no nuance in black and white words on a screen. And we are Mm -hmm. nuanced creatures. This is a nuanced reality. You can't pick up. Uh, facial expression and a tone of God, voice and body that language. Shit, in, dude, in, that shit kills me on Tinder. No uh, facial expression. Seriously, man. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, you know, and that's how we talk. I mean, but, you know, somebody who reads, who simply reads a comment on, you know, on Twitter or, or whatever, they're just going to read the black and white words and then they go mm-hmm. into their brain and they get cut up with their childhood trauma and then they come out the other end something totally different than that person might have you know, been trying Matt. to say. Yeah, not to mention we're like evolutionarily programmed to like be negatively prejudiced towards people we don't know. Absolutely. And so we, yeah, we take the worst into account. Or, Absolutely. I talked about that on, um, 
I think I talked about that on another episode where it's like you could, I mean, if we could open up a, a TV like back in time and just watch the first caveman, the first caveman saw a different caveman that looks a little bit different than him and picked up a rock and threw it at him. Like we're just like hardwired to be pieces of shit to each other, you know, that's yeah. like very well, deep in our brains. Yeah. You may be wrong if you're the caveman killing the other caveman, but you're alive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's one of those weird realities, but uh, we're coming up close to an hour, man. Um, and we could probably keep going for quite some time, but I don't want to tie you up for too long. Um, for sure. Understandable. Do you have any advice that you would drop on someone who was, say, I don't know, like 17 or 18 about to go into college right now? Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Volunteer. Yeah, volunteer. Meet the community around you. Take community classes. Get your basics done. And make sure those basics are transferable to any college you want to go to. Um, But get involved with your community because – when employers are looking at your resume, they want to see work. Not that you can complete like what you're told to do, but that you have the self-motivation to go out and fucking do it. Like do your own shit. Awesome. That's awesome advice, dude, especially considering that, uh, you know, the current state of the education system here and it's shit. It's shit. And I mean, student loans are a scam. I mean, the whole thing is like, there's, there's just so many better, better avenues, especially in this day and age. That's really, really cool. Really, there's really a, let me throw out a, a book. Let me look up the title real quick, but I, I've been reading it, but it turns out, book. all right. Yeah. Yeah. George Washington, uh, was more or less would be considered illiterate by our standards mm-hmm. from what, from what I'm read, uh, reading, but he still went on to do great things. Um, the type uh, Kindle open. Okay, it's called uh, First Principles. Cover. Yeah. There we go. First Principles: What America's Founders Learned from the Greeks and Romans, and How That Shaped Our Country by Thomas E. Ricks. He's a dude that doesn't agree with me politically, but you know what? I'm still reading him because he's got some good shit right here. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, I'll definitely look that up and and check it out, and maybe you guys want to as well. Uh, thank you so much for being on, man. This was a Thanks fucking for having me, man. I love, I love stimulating conversations such as these. This was really cool. We should absolutely do it again. I said, I'd love to do it again too. So sweet. Can't fucking wait, dude. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Here's Why Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Here's Why Pod. I also have a TikTok at Here's Why Chuck, but don't expect anything on my TikTok. I don't use it very much, but uh, you know, go check it out anyway. And uh, come back next week for another one. Bye. Awesome.